Welcome to the Red Light Report, your number one source for all things red light therapy, where you will learn how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with the power of photobiomodulation. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Belkowski. Hey there, guys. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Red Light Report. Hope you all are having a fantastic morning, day, or evening whenever you're listening to this podcast. And as you could probably guess, we're going to continue chugging along our path through the Red Light Therapy Treatment Protocols ebook. The ebook I've developed over the last handful of years, synthesizing all of the red light therapy or photobiomodulation information I have found and read and listened to and watched through endless sources and compiled it into a, a almost a hundred page ebook that again is full of red light therapy information, red light therapy research, and maybe most importantly for you, the end user is the treatment protocols so that you know how to best utilize your red light therapy device so that you know which lights to use. Should it be red? Should it be near infrared? Or possibly should it be both? What distance should you be from the device? What's the duration of each treatment? And how many times per week should you be doing it? All those variables matter when trying to decide how to be most effective and efficient with your red light therapy treatments, whether you're treating your thyroid or your skin or mental health, or you're trying to improve your sleep, so on and so forth. All of those different health benefits that can be derived from red light therapy do necessitate a slightly, if not significantly different treatment protocol. So I've done the hard work for you, and I have scoured the research to find and utilize the highest quality and most recent research to develop these protocols. And so, of course, if you've been listening, you're very familiar with that spiel. Uh, We have covered a lot the last month, month and a half. And uh, last week, last episode, we covered two topics, which was pet health and preconditioning. Two pretty large and robust topics, meaning there's a lot of research and information behind those two topics. And I guess just an FYI for those listening that aren't familiar with BioLite, my company, that is where the ebook can be found if you just want to purchase it. It is included with the purchase of a BioLite red light therapy device, whether it's the Shine Recharge Plus, Restore Plus, or Rejuvenate. You do get that ebook for free or complimentary with the purchase. But you can also purchase it if you're just interested in the information and protocols and you have a different type of red light therapy device. So anyway, that can be found at BioLite.shop. Not .com, but BioLite.shop, S-H-O-P. You can find that third edition of the Red Light Therapy Treatment Protocols ebook. And as I've said on previous episodes, I'm currently working through developing the fourth edition, which will have updated and added red light therapy information and then updated and additional treatment protocols. So keep your eyes peeled. Of course, I'll announce it here on the Red Light Report when I officially release that fourth edition, but it is currently under construction, so to say. And if you do have any uh, red light therapy information or treatment protocols added to the fourth edition that's not currently in its third edition, please let me know. Please reach out through email, info at biolite.shop. You can DM Biolite on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Reach out through any of those mediums and let me know what type of information or protocols you want added to this fourth edition, and I'll do my best to do so. But as I was saying, last week we covered pet health and preconditioning. 
two robust, thorough topics that have a lot of promising research behind them, especially preconditioning for your ears, for your skin, and for your muscles for, for exercising. But moving forward to this week's handful of topics, we'll look to cover skin health, which may be the number one reason people use red light therapy, skin health. We'll also look into sleep and thyroid health. I'm not sure how much time we'll have. If we have enough time, I will also cover woman's health. If not, of course, I'll be covered on the subsequent episode where we do have about three or four more topics to cover. But for this episode, again, skin health, sleep, and thyroid health, potentially woman's health. So let's jump into skin health. When we look at skin health, our skin, which is also known as the integumentary system, is the largest organ in your body, believe it or not. Some people might not think of the skin as an organ, but it certainly is. And so with that being said, it is a critical component of your health and wellness, just like any organ in your body. And the skin, of course, is important for not just the, the health and wellness aspect, but also for beauty and vibrancy purposes. Your skin health can augment your youthful appearance as easily as it can age you. So your skin is kind of a sign of your overall health and well-being. People with glowing, vibrant skin, youthful skin, of course, can be assumed to have pretty good health. And those on the opposite side of the spectrum with aged and wrinkly and pale or gray skin, you can assume that their, their health isn't as good as it could be and they're probably a culprit to a host of aging processes. And the skin is one of the first things to show that. And so red light therapy can play a massive role because again, there's mitochondria in all of our skin cells and it's easiest to treat the skin because there's no other tissue to go through. For example, when you're treating the bones or muscles or the brain, there's a lot of tissue to go through. You have to go through the entire skull before you can get to the brain with light. So really not that much light gets to your brain when utilizing near-infrared light. So it's a little more difficult to get the highest quality or, or as efficient of a treatment compared to skin. It's the first layer of tissue. So red light therapy is extremely effective and treatments are much shorter because of that. It's easier to get light to that tissue. Moving on here, red and near-infrared light is effective at reversing signs of aging, repairs of damage from UV rays, and can reduce the appearance of line wrinkles and scars. Not only this, but Harvard professor Dr. Michael Hamblin, who's a PhD out of Harvard, one of the top, if not the top, photobiomodulation researcher in the world, has found that red and near-infrared light can, as it relates to skin, enhance collagen synthesis and density, accelerate skin repair and wound healing, combat skin conditions such as acne, keloids, vitiligo, burns, herpes, uh, virus sores, and psoriasis. It can also reduce cellulite. And lastly, it can reduce color patches, hyperpigmentation, or skin discoloration. So in short, red light therapy offers a safe, non-invasive alternative to Botox injections, abrasive chemical peels, cosmetic surgery, and dermatological visits to improve the health and vibrance of your skin. Anti-aging made easy. And that is red light therapy in a nutshell for your skin. Some people can see results with red light therapy, whether they're trying to get rid of wrinkles or, or 
help with wound healing. They can see results within a day or two, definitely within a week. And again, that speaks to A, how responsive the mitochondria are in the skin and B, how easy it is for light to get to the skin, as I mentioned before. But let's move along to the research and see what it has to say here. This first piece is from 2013. It says, in a study assessing red and near-infrared light therapy on skin health, found that 91% of subjects reported improved skin tone and 82% reported enhanced smoothness of skin in the treatment area. So those are pretty big numbers, 91% with improved skin tone, 82% with smoother skin. And I know it says assessing red and near-infrared light, but we know that when they're doing research on the skin, they're using red light only because near-infrared light travels and penetrates through the skin and benefits tissues beneath the skin or deeper to the skin, whereas red light does not penetrate deeper than the skin. Thus, that is the spectra of choice when treating the skin is red light only. There are some exceptions I should mention. If you have a deep wound or you're dealing with a hypertrophic scar, those would be two reasons or two instances where you'd want to utilize near-infrared. And that's because of the depth of the wound if you're treating it like a deep cut or, or something like that. And then for a, for a keloid scar, that's a raised piece of skin, if you will, a raised scar. And so it's thicker than normal skin. So you'd want to integrate near-infrared to make sure you're penetrating all the way through. But otherwise, for the most part, you want to be using red light only when treating the skin. And another caveat, this is just coming to my mind as I'm speaking, is that when you see people using these red light therapy beds, most of those beds utilize red light only and not near infrared. So ultimately, you're just treating your skin in those red light therapy beds. Because again, near-infrared is necessary to penetrate deeper than the skin. And so if you're in a red light therapy bed that utilizes only red light, then you're treating only the skin. The issue with that is, at least from what I've heard from people that have used those beds, the treatment times are still the usual 10 to 15, 20-minute treatment times, and you're treating your whole body 360 with red light. And like I mentioned earlier, skin treatments with red light are very short compared to other parts of the body. So if you're doing a treatment much longer than several minutes in one of those beds, you're likely, not likely, I can almost guarantee you're over-treating your body or your skin because, for instance, if you're doing an anti-aging skin treatment for your face, you know, you want your face looking nice and smooth and, and vibrant, those treatments are about two to three minutes tops at 15 to 18 inches away with a red light therapy device. Back to the red light therapy bed, if, if you're in the bed surrounded by these red lights that are several inches away and you're doing that for 10 to 15 to 20 minutes, you're significantly over-treating, which again, isn't the worst thing in the world. It's just that you're not going to get the benefits you're looking for in your skin. And you're actually could get some detox symptoms. You could get some lethargy, you know, low energy. You could get some headaches or nausea and stuff like that, which is a sign that you may have over-treated. So just keep that in mind if you have been using or have considered using one of those red light therapy beds. But let's move forward here with the research. The second piece is from 2009. It says, our study showed that LED therapy reversed collagen downregulation and MMP1 upregulation, both which help reduce wrinkles. And these findings suggest that LED at 660 nanometer is a safe and effective collagen enhancement strategy. 
So 660 nanometers, that's red. And that's what the majority of red light therapy products utilize because that's what most of the research utilizes and shows is efficacious. So again, this piece of research used 660 nanometers red light, and they found that it's safe and effective for collagen enhancement, which would of course help with a smooth appearance of skin and be an anti-wrinkle or anti-aging tactic. This next piece from 2013, they go on to say, LED lights have been shown to be effective for improving wrinkles and skin laxity. Among patients who received LED photorejuvenation, 90% reported that they observed a softening of skin texture and a reduction in roughness and fine lines, ranging from a significant reduction to sometimes subtle changes. And that brings up a couple of good points. Of course, that's almost a reiteration of that first piece of research. But also, they're saying that it ranges in the results from significant to sometimes subtle changes. And that makes sense because like I've mentioned in prior episodes, and one of the things to keep in mind when utilizing red light therapy is the healthier you are, the less you're going to notice. That makes sense, right? Because let's say the sicker or the more illness that you have, you have a much larger gap for improvement or much larger range for improvement. So you're going to notice more when you start using a healing modality such as red light therapy. So just like the skin, if you already have very vibrant, youthful skin, you might not notice a ton of improvement with red light therapy, but with correct and consistent use, you will keep that vibrant and healthy and youthful skin for a much longer period of time. I'm talking years and years into your 40s, into your 50s, into your 60s. So compare yourself to your counterparts or your colleagues who are not using red light therapy And that's where you will probably notice the difference is that you will continue to have that youthful appearance and they may not if they're not living as healthy of a lifestyle or using these types of modalities like red light therapy. So that's something to keep in mind. The results are going to go across the board and that doesn't have to do just with health, but we all have bio individuality. So even with that alone, we're all going to get different reactions and and results with something like red light therapy. And moving along here to the last piece of research for skin health. Uh, This is from 2013 as well. They go on to say, LLLT, or low-level laser therapy, appears to have a wide range of applications in dermatology, especially in indications where stimulation of healing, reduction of inflammation, reduction of cell death, and skin rejuvenation are required. Basically, anywhere in dermatology or where, where skin enhancement is being utilized, red light therapy has a place to stimulate healing, to reduce inflammation, reduce cell death, and rejuvenate the skin, there's a place for red light therapy. And I'll go as far as to say everyone could benefit from some red light for their skin. And again, I would argue that's probably the number one use case for red light therapy. And that's where most people dip their toes into this modality is for skin health. And then they learn of other things such as it can help with pain or help with sleep or help with their pets now. So you buy it for one thing or you invest in the technology for one thing, but then you figure out there's many, many ways to use it. So that's what's so exciting to me, at least about red light therapy. But with sleep being said, let's move on to that topic. Sleep, how can it help? And once again, we really only have to look as far as our tiny friends, the mitochondria, to understand how red light therapy benefits our overall health and wellness. In this particular instance, as it relates to sleep, how they improve or worsen our quality of sleep. 
And so while most people are familiar with the melatonin as the sleep-inducing hormone, it is well understood in the human biology world that this hormone is also paramount for optimal mitochondrial function. In essence, melatonin protects mitochondria from damage and is essential for mitochondrial regeneration while we sleep. And digging a little deeper, melatonin benefits our mitochondria by preventing free radical damage, regulating and maintaining the bioenergetic function and respiratory activities, electron transport chain, and ATP production, by acting as a neuroprotectant for the brain by preventing oxidative stress that is commonly seen in Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and Huntington's disease, and potentially contributing to anti-aging. Again, those are all benefits of melatonin that they have directly on our mitochondria. Since we're talking about the ebook in this episode, I thought, why the heck not give my loyal audience, my loyal podcast listeners, an exclusive discount? The discount is going to be for the lifetime subscription of the Red Light Therapy Treatment Protocols ebook. And what is special about the lifetime subscription is that by purchasing the lifetime subscription, you will be receiving every single ebook that is released because I update the ebook every six months or so. So twice a year, I'll update the ebook, including updated information relative to red light therapy. I'll update the protocols that I currently have, and I'll be adding new protocols as the information comes out. So the ebook is constantly being updated every single year. And again, by getting the lifetime subscription, you pay one price and you receive every single ebook going forward. So let's say we get to, you know, the 30th edition, you just paid one small price for 25, 26 ebooks. So for my loyal listeners, I'm gonna give you guys a 25% discount off the lifetime subscription. And the coupon code is RLTPODCAST. And that is all lowercase because it is case sensitive. Again, that's RLT podcast as in red light therapy podcast. Go to biolight.shop, select the lifetime subscription of the red light therapy treatment protocols ebook, type in RLT podcast and get that bad boy for 25% off. And lastly, all melatonin is not necessarily derived from the pineal gland in the brain. Keep in mind, the pineal gland is deep, deep, deep basically in the center of the brain, and there's virtually no way you're going to get near-infrared light to your pineal gland with one of these red light therapy panels or devices. It's just too deep. There's too much tissue the light would have to travel to to ultimately get to that pineal gland. Like I said before, just getting through the skull, that knocks down upwards of 90% of the light before it gets to your brain, let alone all of those layers to the brain to get to the pineal gland to have some uh, reaction or, or benefit from melatonin production. That begs the question, how can red light therapy, if it can't directly uh, stimulate the pineal gland, how can it help produce or help enhance melatonin production? Let me backtrack before I answer that question. There are ways you can get light to the pineal gland or intracranially, and that's through surgery. So you literally have to cut open your skull and have a surgeon implant some type of light therapy device, which they do. But again, that would be the caveat to that situation. You would have to go through some type of very intensive, risky surgery to have that light implanted in your brain. But moving on. So how can melatonin production be enhanced if red or near infrared light can't get to the pineal gland? Well, the presence of melatonin has been detected in many different 
extra pineal tissues. Extra pineal or extra meaning above or beyond the pineal gland. And so these tissues include the brain, the retina, lens of your eye, the cochlea in your ears, the hardirian gland in your eyes, airway epithelium in your trachea and such, skin, so skin alone has melatonin or extrapineal melatonin potential, gastrointestinal tract, so your GI tract, your liver, your kidney, thyroid, pancreas, thymus, spleen, immune system cells, carotid body, reproductive tract, and your endothelial cells. So there's a laundry list of extra pineal tissues, meaning if you can get red and or near infrared light to those tissues, of course, those are at varying uh, depths of tissue from your brain to your liver and kidney to your skin, different depths of tissue. But if you can get light to those organs or tissues, then there's a potential to have melatonin production, again, without having to directly influence the pineal gland. And so that is how doing full body red light therapy is very powerful for normalizing your circadian rhythm. It's because you're not getting all of those extra pineal tissues, but you're getting a lot of them with those full body treatment. And so that's how you're able to enhance or optimize or modulate melatonin production, again, without directly affecting the pineal gland. I'll just finish this last sentence. It's going to be a little redundant, but this presents the possibility that whole body red and near infrared light irradiation could potentially therapeutically affect melatonin production and not just the brain via the pineal gland. And so let's look at the research. Interestingly enough, even though we know that uh, light is very effective for normalizing or disrupting your circadian rhythm, normalizing it with red light, disrupting it with blue light, there's not a lot of research yet in the area of photobiomodulation and sleep. As I've mentioned in previous podcast episodes, my company BioLite, we did do some research last year, last summer in 2021 with BioStrap, where we were utilizing the biometrics of the wearable, the BioStrap, while doing full body treatments with the BioLite Restore panel. And we went into that study looking to see what enhancements or benefits we could get for sleep. And essentially, many of you know if you've been listening to this podcast, but for those new listeners, essentially, the length of the study was barely short enough to have statistically significant figures for the sleep metrics. Basically, another way of saying that, if we would have lengthened the study another two to four weeks, we probably would have attained those statistically significant numbers and metrics to show that red light therapy, full body red light therapy does enhance sleep. But the study was just just too short to get those numbers. But what we did find with that study is that one 10-minute full-body red light therapy session, both red and near-infrared light, drastically, significantly reduces your stress. Another way to say that is it statistically significantly increased your HRV. And in that study, it increased your HRV 122% on average whenever you did one 10-minute full-body red light therapy session. So that's that's another thing to consider if you're currently using red light therapy or thinking of investing in a piece of technology is that it can significantly reduce your stress in 10 minutes. And so that wasn't even in combination with some deep breathing or some meditation or some gratitude practice. 
So I would imagine you would just get some synergistic compounded benefits if you were to do multiple things at once in that sense. Even if you're just looking to reduce stress, red light therapy has amazing potential for that. But moving on to the sleep research, this first piece is from 2018. They go on to say, a review of the literature suggests that not only retinal, but also whole body and intranasal irradiation with red lights leads to a notable increase in serum melatonin levels in humans. They did not only through the eye, but whole body and up the nose with red light. And they notice an increase in melatonin levels in the serum. So pretty interesting. This next piece of research from 2012, they say, Our study confirmed the effectiveness of body irradiation with red light in improving the quality of sleep of elite female basketball players and offered a non-pharmacologic and non-invasive therapy to prevent sleep disorders after training. So interestingly enough, you know, professional basketball players, high intensity, high stress, you can imagine sleep patterns going awry, especially in females with their cycles. That's another variable. But they showed with full body red light therapy, it improved the quality of their sleep. So pretty cool. 2007, it looks like we're going backwards in time with this research. 2007, this piece of research says red light, both 610 and 660 nanometers, has no effect on melatonin suppression. That's the key word, suppression, and slightly shortens the time before dim light onset of melatonin secretion. So that was kind of a confusing way of saying that red light did not increase cortisol levels, thus it did not suppress melatonin production in a shortened time of when the dim light was on or or lights were turned off to the onset of melatonin secretion. That kind of just makes sense because we know that that amber light or the campfire or that red light, it doesn't really control or have an effect on your arousal because again, red light doesn't increase cortisol levels. And that's why these computer screens and phone screens and, and TV screens are kind of a death sentence to your circadian rhythm because that blue light literally increases or maintains your cortisol levels. It doesn't allow your cortisol levels to drop as they normally should at night. And thus cortisol inhibits melatonin production. And so that's an easy way to throw your circadian rhythm off its normal tracks is by surrounding yourself with technology. And if you're not using, let's say, blue light blockers or red light to counter that blue light. And again, that's from 2007. So that was a while ago, but they're just demonstrating that red light therapy doesn't suppress melatonin production. This last piece here from 2012 says that the 14-day whole body irradiation with red light treatment improved the sleep, serum melatonin level, and endurance performance. And again, that was from the Chinese basketball players. So they did it only two weeks, full body red light therapy, and they noticed improvement in sleep, serum melatonin level, and their improvement in their endurance performance, which makes sense because just like with preconditioning with red light therapy, if you're to do full body red light therapy on a consistent basis, you're probably going to see, of course, increased muscular performance, increased energy levels through your mitochondria. So again, they used it for improving their sleep, but they also saw an improvement in their endurance, which of course, for their sake, being professional basketball players is a huge deal. And then another popular use of red light therapy thyroid health. And this topic is really cool because as you'll see in the research, there's some results that people are getting with red light therapy that they cannot even get with pharmacological intervention. 
let alone mitigating the negative effects of the pharmacology. So let's learn about it first before we dive into the research, but the research is very, very compelling. And so for thyroid health, the thyroid gland is a butterfly-shaped organ located in the lower front part of your neck. It is one of several glands comprising the endocrine system, and it secretes hormones responsible for regulating literally every cell, tissue, and organ in the body. The thyroid gland normally releases many crucial hormones that travel through the bloodstream to reach receptors found throughout the body. So a disturbance in thyroid function can cause widespread, impactful health problems. The thyroid gland is one of the most radiosensitive human organs. While it is well known that radiation exposure increases the risk of thyroid cancer, less is known about its effect in relation to non-malignant thyroid diseases. Hypothyroidism, commonly known as Hashimoto's hypothyroidism, is a condition in which the thyroid gland is underactive and doesn't properly make or release thyroid hormones. Women, especially older women, are the most susceptible group for developing hypothyroidism. Almost 5% of the U.S. population over the age of 12 has some form of hypothyroidism. Some estimates suggest up to 40% of the population suffers from at least some level of underactive thyroid. And so, what are some of the most common symptoms of hypothyroidism? Well, changes to your metabolism, heart function, digestion, energy, appetite, sleep, or mood. Even the growth of your hair, skin, and nails can be caused by hypothyroidism. Scientific research has demonstrated powerful results of red light therapy for autoimmune hypothyroidism. Currently, red light therapy is one of the only treatments that has the capability to potentially reverse or at least mitigate progression of autoimmune hypothyroidism. And that is a pretty good segue into our research on red light therapy and thyroid health. This first piece of research is from 2013, and it goes on to say, a 2013 randomized control trial demonstrated that hypothyroid patients who received infrared light therapy had a dramatic improvement in their thyroid function and an immense reduction in their thyroid antibody, thyroid peroxidase. Shockingly, 47% of the patients were able to stop medication completely. So that last line, of course, is the biggest. Almost half of the patients were able to completely stop their medication for their thyroid issue. This next piece from 2018, they go on to say that a 2014 study with 347 women with subclinical hypothyroidism received 10 red light therapy treatments. At baseline, the average thyroid stimulating hormone was 9.1. It's good to know that the higher the TSH or the thyroid stimulating hormone means the more or the closer you are to hypothyroidism. So again, at baseline, uh, these 347 women had about 9.1. The TSH normalized in 97% of the women in the study with an average TSH of 2.2 after only 10 red light therapy sessions. So there's a lot to unpack in that one piece of research because 347 women is, is a pretty solid number to have for this piece of research, but then their initial TSH was 9.1 and it lowered to 2.2 after only 10 red light therapy sessions. 
and the TSH normalized in 97% of the women. So that's massive. Almost all of them saw significant results with red light therapy. In this third piece of research from 2012, they go on to say that we found that low-level laser therapy improved thyroid function as measured by a reduction in the mean dose required for LT4 replacement therapy. Perhaps using this approach at an early stage can reduce the incidence of overt hypothyroidism. So saying that red light therapy can be used proactively to prevent or reverse your path to hypothyroidism. The last piece of research from 2018, they go on to say that in summary, the results showed that LLLT, and they used infrared laser, is safe when used for the treatment of patients with CAT, CAT, chronic autoimmune thyroiditis, without nodules in the parenchyma, as there was no increase in the frequency of nodular lesions. There was also no worsening of autoimmunity. So this is definitely a different take on how red light therapy can benefit the thyroid, but it was safe, and there was no increase in the frequency of nodular lesions and no decrease in autoimmunity. So safe, effective, basically low risk, high reward, just like I always say about red light therapy. But for this week, guys, again, that's where I'm going to wrap it up because that's a pretty good amount of information to absorb for one podcast or one one episode. So with that being said, we will have our final solo sode on the ebook with the next solo sode, and we'll cover the following topics, women's health, wound healing, safety, some considerations, and then some FAQs that I get, hence frequently asked questions. But with that being said, guys, as always, I would appreciate if you would take the quick moment to leave a five-star review either on Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts. That way people will get more exposure to this podcast, more exposure to the information about red light therapy. So please take a quick moment and leave that five-star review. But otherwise, I appreciate every single one of you listening to this podcast. And as always, have a wonderful week and light up your health. Thank you for listening to the Red Light Report. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and other podcast platforms to help spread the word so other people can learn about the many health, wellness, and longevity benefits of red light therapy. If you're looking for more educational content, check out our Instagram page at biolight.shop and our YouTube channel, Biolight. I'm Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll see you on the next episode.